0: Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. This is Paul Paluso, the editor of Officer Magazine, and I'm joined today, as always, by Officer Media Group Editorial Director, Frank Borelli. How's it going today, Frank?
0: Morning, Paul. Going pretty good. How about you, bud? Hey, pretty good. So,
1: Now Today we'll be talking about uh, less lethal and riot control equipment, and we had a less lethal and riot control special section in the uh, May-June issue of Officer Magazine. Frank, can you start off uh, talking about the advances in less lethal and riot control tools, devices, and gear uh, that officers use and how they've um, kind of evolved over the years?
0: You know, I wish I was more expert in this topic, Paul, but um, when you look at riot control gear, and it goes back uh, as far as I can remember, which is into the 60s, where we had plastic shields that were clear, uh, helmets to protect our head, sometimes a shield on the helmet, and then these wooden batons that are about three feet long so you can use them to keep people a little bit farther back away from you. Um, and, And a lot of the improvements and changes that we've seen are materials changes and then to some extent design changes so i mean way back then you weren't going to get um you weren't going to get a full body protective suit you know that with with any kind of i want to say hard armor it was not like it was ballistic armor Uh, and a lot of today's riot control gear is not ballistic armor it's just padded it's a hard plastic or other polycarbonate material Um, you weren't going to see that 50 years ago and now we have these full suits Protecting uh, our, our entire body, um, we have uh, hel- still have the helmets, still have the shields. Uh, helmets are made to work great with protective masks, commonly called gas masks. Um, you know, you have these the shields that are still there that you hold that are clear. You still have batons, but you know, the materials, more than anything else, has changed. They've become lighter but stronger. And uh, so many of the designs now are being made to interact with each other. So you get a, a layered and overlapping approach to protection. Um, and that's why, you know, I think I said in the article, if, if your gear is more than 10, 15 years old, you really need to look at it. And, and if you're one of those agencies, and I know a few who you haven't looked at your riot control gear since the 70s, it's really time. Because that, that, those old materials, number one, they degrade. And number two... Today's materials and designs are so far advanced compared to what we had those 50 years ago. It really needs to be updated if they haven't.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned that article, uh, Frank, uh, in the May-June issue of Officer Magazine, he has two articles in there. One is Old right Gear Can Be Dangerous, and the other one is um, basically on the Taser 10 the mm-hmm. The new model of the taser. Let, let's start off on the uh, old riot gear can be dangerous. Um, I know you already talked a little bit about it, but what do uh, departments have to keep in mind when it comes to switching out their old gear and getting new riot gear?
0: And you know, Paul, again, I think it boils down to the materials. So when you look at helmets, for instance, when I worked SWAT, I had a Kevlar helmet. It was top of the line, best issued 30 years ago to the military. Well, now materials have changed. Designs have changed. Interactivity with other technology has changed. Um, So the helmet that I had is no longer really the best available. Uh, And the same thing applies to um, riot control protective gear. Uh, And where it can become dangerous is if you think it will do something that it won't. Or if it's degraded to the point, the materials have degraded to the point, lack of care, exposure to sunlight, uh, heat, and temperature, uh, heat and cold extremes, all this stuff can damage that equipment. So if you're depending on it to protect you and it hasn't been cared for properly or it's degraded over the years, it's no longer capable of what it was originally designed for. It's no longer capable of offering the protection it was originally designed for. So you run the risk of putting your officers uh, in a riot control situation with gear, assuming that it's going to protect them sufficiently, and then you find out, It doesn't, but you don't find that out until the officer's injured. So where it becomes dangerous is if you don't update it enough. And honestly, with riot control gear, uh, every 10 to 15 years, you really need to look at it. Now, I know that the people who sell it, they want you to update it every year. And I get that 100%. However, realistically speaking, looking at police budgets, looking at growth and challenges and simple materials evolution, you really ought to be looking at it um, every 10 to 15 years, but that's at a maximum. If you can look at your riot control gear every five to 10 years and upgrade it where it's available, that that's really much better. Um, the materials and the designs um, really do change faster than everybody realizes. And, and I think that's where the danger comes, is if you assume what was good 20 years ago is still good today, you have no concept of what's good today, Would be would be my statement. It really needs to be updated with a look towards mobility, strength, weight, interactivity, and cost. Today's stuff is so much better than what was out there 10 or 15 years ago.
1: So, Frank, let's move on to this other article that you wrote. This one was about the Taser 10. Um, can you talk about how you know this device has changed over the years and what it was like when uh, you first encountered it? But what, what is that, like over 20 years ago?
0: It was a long time ago. Um, the, you know, taser has been around, people don't realize it for 50 years or more. The, the original taser kind of looked like a, a big, ugly television remote. Um, uh, and, and it was heavy. And then you had the, the M, I want to say 17, but I can't remember M26. It looked like it, it was, it was, it was as big as, or bigger than, and as heavy as, or heavier than a full-size duty weapon, handgun, you know, Glock 17. Um. They, it was it was just it was big and bulky and there wasn't a lot of functionality to it beyond delivering this charge. Um, and you, people listening to this, if, if you're not familiar with how the energy conductive weapons work, um, you, you really need to do a little bit of research. Uh, all of the myths about tasers causing heart attacks, do the research and see that, you know, that that's those are just myths. There's no that's not based in reality look at the type of energy delivered the frequency it's delivered the types of muscle tissue that it'll affect all that stuff all the things that taser instructors get taught um you know it would it would behoove people to actually learn that information and understand it and know it so they can have a little bit more faith and trust in the tool now again you asked me about what it, how far it's come that m26 was this huge bulky thing Actually, originally designed for veterinarian use on big animals, and I've seen videos of bulls being tasered and falling over, being tased and falling over, and it's 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 an amazing video to watch. Uh, but it gives you an understanding of how it can affect a human being as well. And yes, they adjusted the charge and frequency so they were not tasing tasing a person with something that was designed for a bull. We get the difference. Taser gets axon gets the difference. But then they you know they they move forward in time and they start incorporating other. Uh, design changes and improvements and we had the x26 which was much smaller um, and it incorporated led white lights it incorporated an easy aiming laser uh, and you had the the quick detachable or quick reload cartridges now the maximum effective range on those cartridges originally when i took the class i think it was 25 feet um and you, you know you your closest engagement. You didn't want it to be inside of 15 feet because this was a less lethal weapon that was an option to lethal weapons, assuming you had lethal coverage. So if I pull up on the scene of a crime, there's a guy with a knife and I've got an officer there with his duty sidearm out. He can engage that person with the knife if necessary. But if I can tase the guy, we can disable him, then we don't have to shoot him. But if there's nobody there with a, a real handgun, I'm not going to pull out my taser to go against a knife. Lethal force gets lethal force coverage at a minimum. And then we we do what we can not to have to shoot somebody. We do the minimum amount of harm. Um, and all that gets covered in taser classes if you take them. So now, and, and they've been through the tasers, all the, the evolutions, we get to the taser 10. Um And one of the biggest challenges with a taser is you load the cartridge and you need to get both of the probes to impact a person and stick well enough to deliver the circuit, the charge. If you only have one probe, nothing happens. It's it's not just energy being fed down a wire. It's a circuit being created, and then the muscles that are part of that circuit are affected. Um, If you missed, you had no choice but to... Take the cartridge off the taser, put a new cartridge on, and try to take a second shot. This takes a little bit of time. It's not as fast as reloading a handgun unless you practice a lot. Um, with the taser ten, what's really cool is you have ten chances or nine chances. You 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 shoot two probes. If one of them misses, you can fire another probe without having to reload the cartridge. Um, this is much faster. It gives you far more opportunity to, to correct your, your misses um, and still have the same effect. Now is it a little bit bigger. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. Um, and there's, there's all kinds of data. I mean, there's so much we could talk about with the taser, Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, the taser 10 I'm sure incorporates all of the data advantages that the, the X26 and M26, you can download the dates and times and length of time of each discharge. All that data is collected. Uh, when a cartridge is fired, there are little data tags that are fired out with it that show what cartridge um, and what agency that cartridge was bought by. So, you know, there, there's a, an evidentiary track from the taser cartridge to the agency, the agency to the officer. So ultimately, you know exactly who pulled that trigger or who's, which officer's taser was used to fire that cartridge. Um, they just the, the advances in the technology have really been phenomenal, and Axon's done a great job of recognizing what shortcomings can exist and, and how to correct them as much as possible. I mean, at the end of the day, it really does boil down to training. The, 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 the less lethal tool functions well, uh, but if, if the officer using it has not been trained, hasn't practiced, just been issued it and trusted that he can figure it out, that's going to be a bad day. Uh, the training has to be there, but, but Axon Taser... They have done everything they can to make the tool as reliable as possible. Uh, if you do your part with policy and training, it, I think it'll serve an agency really well. And it, again, it's far better than the uh, the M twenty six and and a great improvement over the X twenty six.
1: Yeah, I know you had one thing in there about the laser, how they changed that. Can you explain um, why they changed it and and how it helps?
0: So if I remember correctly, they changed it from red to green and green yes. lasers. Are easier to see during daylight hours than red lasers um so that that's that, that's the number one thing is that if it's a bright sunny day and you have a red laser and you pull out your taser um, and and you take the safety off the, t- the, the the laser aiming device is activated and you're looking for this red dot and it's a bright sunny day you have a hard time finding it green dot much easier to see now the other thing I really like about this and I wish I wish, I wish we could get an industry standard set around this, but we're too far into it. I don't think it'll ever happen. I would love to see every less lethal device that has an aiming laser be green. Because imagine this, it's after dark and you roll up on the scene of something and and you get out and there's several other officers there and you look at this subject who presents some kind of threat and he's got three red dots on his chest. Great, we got three three aiming lasers have They're indicated, pointed at this guy, but we don't know if they're handguns, long guns, uh, ECWs, a taser, whatever. You don't, you don't know. Wouldn't it be great if you pulled up and you saw a green dot and a red dot, and you knew I had a less lethal and a lethal weapon, both are already pointed at this guy. the The level of information and communication that you would know just from the color would be awesome. I don't think we'll ever see it, but I love the fact that Axon upgraded the taser 10, to the green laser much easier to see and the fact that it is a less lethal weapon i like that it's got a green dot it's got a green laser
1: that's a great idea frank and just wanted to finish up uh just talking about some other yeah. less lethal uh, devices that are out there some of the things we've seen over the years that we've written about in the magazine and on the website i know uh pepper has a bunch of great products um you have buller wrap um you wrote believe this was last year about um it was it was january of last year about the stand down uh less lethal projectiles from uh avert uh industries Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things out there um another one that I, i think i told you i actually had this used on me at a show i think it was shot show the glove the uh generated low output voltage emitter from um from compliant technologies where, yep. you know, they're, they're gloves that actually have a built-in system where they'll, they'll shock you and they can do do different things with them. I know you were just at the Ohio Tactical Officers Association uh, annual conference. What did you see there? Was there anything new that kind of caught your eye?
0: It was kind of funny you say that. Compliant Industries was directly across for, from us uh, where our vendor booths were, were set up and, um one of our coworkers tom tries to, he's always trying to get me to go let these guys show me how it works which that equates to go over there and let them put these gloves on you and shock you and i'm just not in a hurry for that i'm i'm kind of uh, avoiding that if i can avoid that i don't need to have it done to me to be a believer but um i do need to learn more about that technology um you know less lethal munitions are are not going away and and they're the the versatility That the variety of munitions offers to a 12 gauge shotgun is amazing. Um, I encourage agencies to look at that. Like you talked about pepper ball, uh, anything that we can deliver a less lethal. um, I don't want to say chemical weapon because because OC is is really an organic product, but if if we can use them to deliver uh, munitions from having instead of having to be up close. I mean, let's let's be honest. Distance is our friend. The farther away I can have an effect on on a, a riotous group, the less risk I have to absorb. And and at the end of the day, that liability management and that risk management is to the agency's benefit. Uh, but yeah, there are there are so many less lethal tools out there. Agencies need to figure out what they need, and and then uh, go through the procurement process. But training has to be a huge part of it. Most most officers are not trained enough in the use of their less lethal tools.
1: And Frank, do you think there's anything else um, that you'd like to share that departments have to know before, say, purchasing new, um, you know, riot gear or new less lethal uh, devices?
0: You know, and it, it applies to everything, Paul. Uh, i did some work with the military a while back and they have a formal process for developing needs and requirements and then putting out requests for proposals and going through the whole budget process um, so that they can purchase something and and i would i would encourage agencies to do the same thing even if you're a little agency you only got five officers what do you need and why do you need it what are your needs and what are your requirements and once you document those then you can put out your request for proposals uh, and I think a lot of agencies might realize, uh, you know, and some of them would say, well, we need a uh, 68 caliber paintball gun so we can launch pepperball." Well, that's not your need. Your need is to be able to deliver these less lethal munitions at whatever given distance using whatever type of, you know, a, a non-explosive uh, propellant, whatever it is. That's the need, the requirements, uh, you know, you you mix them up, but, but your need isn't, well, I just need a taser. You need an energy conductive weapon that does this and does that. I would encourage agencies to go through that process. I think a lot of them would learn more about what's available um, and then be able to make better use of it in a more efficient fashion. But again, at the end of the day, this is what everybody forgets. I've got 20 officers on my agency, so I need 20 tasers. No, you don't. You need 22 because something's going to break. Something's going to fail. Something's going to be used, have to go into evidence, whatever you need extras. So you always need replacements. And two, you need a trainer. So your agency needs at least two instructor certified individuals. That's the part that people forget and always need to be included in the process.
1: Thanks, Frank. I think this has been a good discussion. And uh, everybody, as always, uh, make sure that you you know reach out to us if you have any questions, any suggestions at editors at officer.com. That's editors at officer.com. And uh, thanks for joining us. And as always, uh, stay safe and take care.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.